0: Hey everyone, welcome to episode 13 of the Thirst for Knowledge podcast. Uh, it's me, Lawrence, and my co-host, Steve. Uh, we, were, we were a bit gone for a little while, uh, but we're back. Just had a few things going on behind the scenes. How have you been, Steve? Good, how you doing, man? I'm all right, I'm all right. Uh, we have a little bit of catching up to do, and then we have some new frontiers, as
1: one would say, uh, to explore. Is that a Pilgrim joke? That sounds like a Pilgrim joke. It, it,
0: it, it was a really bad Pioneer joke. Um, but, uh, yeah, so we had Eternal Weekend. Um, leading up to Eternal Weekend, I wrote an article for our patrons uh just like what i thought the best decks were leading into the tournament uh ways to attack the format just things like that um we had alex bestecchi unfortunately lose his win and in to the top eight um but it was cool to see him make a solid run with the 75 i recommended for the event um what else happened six delver decks in the top eight uh, yep. The some rug, some blue, red. They they mislabeled a few as four color Delver, and we did see four color Delver twice on camera. And uh, I find myself wondering why people are still playing four color when um, the mana is just so so punishable. But you know, people tend to play what they want, and four color has a lot of powerful cards and uh
1: i definitely think it's the power level thing right like you're sacrificing your mana for that power boost I'm not saying it's right i'm just saying
0: That's yeah why. like i enjoyed playing four color at the inception of the run and six format but we started seeing like this progression right of um how the delver decks were progressing and operating where it started at four color and that was totally fine. But then Rug started popping up, and Rug had a much leaner mana base, so it could like punish you for being like poor colors or having a much more greedy mana base uh, than it had. And from there, we saw the Rug Dex adopt Stifle as a way to further uh, punish mana. Um, and then from there,
1: what happened next? We're seeing a lot of blue red Delver with Stifle pop up, right? Right. Yeah, I'm looking actually at the card list. The one four color deck is actually just four colors in its sideboard, which was crazy to me. It was like it played Bitter Blossom, Abrupt Decay, K Command, Bully on his Triumph, but it was Rug Delver in the main deck. So he's going to his black cards for his matchups, but no thought seizes. Oh, Anatyrin Scorn. Wow.
0: Uh, I understand that, like, you get, some of your, like, the point-and-click removal is really valuable in the four-color shell, but, like, you know, on the cast I've mentioned previously before that uh, rug-splashing uh, just Plague Engineer appeals to me, but I think the way the format is shaping up with Storm being better and, like, Storm against rug Delver that doesn't have Stifle is pretty brutal. And um, I think the mid-range rug really have to overcompensate in their sideboard to beat Storm with a lot of permanent-based hate, which can lead to just, like, some clunky deck building. I'm not, you know, I've I've been trying a few things, but I really am not married to anything. And at this point, I don't have anything coming up, so I'm probably just going to put the deck down
1: because I'm just a little burned out on playing Dover. Oh, I would definitely agree with that. Well, and it, like you said, I mean, looking through, they they were two definite four-color Delver decks that made top eight, and they were actual four-color. One's got Gurmogs. One's just got black cards in the sideboard. and But they lost in the first round of top eight, and I think they both lost to regular Delver decks. So one of them definitely lost to a Rug, and I don't know about the other guy. But, I mean, without would track, like having your mana more stable probably matters more in a Delver mirror than anything else.
0: Uh, yeah, the Delver mirror is just like a complete dumpster fire now, to be honest. At least on the rug, <laughs> the rug side, mana denial, uh, is so important, and there's just this uncomfortable dynamic where all of the threats are better than the answers, so you just get into these sub-games of like. Don't let people resolve their things, and it's it's really not an interesting matchup. And like
1: at the end of it all, ugh, it's it's just ugh. yeah. I mean that's basically the tale. I was looking through, both of them, both four color Delver decks lost to Rug Delver decks because the format now rewards being bombastic and and. I just don't think that you should ever play the four color version if you're gonna play against the rug version anyways. Like the black cards aren't gonna help you against Rug Dover. Or is it Dover? Or whatever they're calling it, blue red. So you know, it's only good against the, the two combo decks that were in the top eight, but I don't think they even faced them, so I mean it was Turbo Depths and Ant. And they both lost to other Delver decks. So, and it sounds like a miserable format right now.
0: Yeah, it's kind of mid-range hell. Uh, For a long time, people were like attacking Delver in the wrong way. Like um, the way I was thinking about it was like this is this is going to take a weird left turn, but. Think of everyone who's beefed with Floyd Mayweather, right? And okay. you look at, like... Okay. No, th- just bear with me. So, like, you look at Manny Pacquiao, right? Mm-hmm. And he beefed with Floyd Mayweather. And then what happened? He got knocked out. Whatever. Then you look at, like... Uh, what's the Irish guy... Um, Whatever, everybody loved him for a hot second. Fook to Mayweather's guy. Um, no, but, you know, he had issues with, uh, you know, with Floyd and also lost in a fistfight. But then you look at, like, you look at another person who had a beef with Floyd Mayweather, and um, that was 50 Cent. And
1: you know what 50 Cent challenged Floyd Mayweather to? Was it Connor Conor McGregor?
0: Yeah, it was Connor McGregor.
1: Yeah, okay, that's what I'm, I was going through, like, my famous Irish boxers in my head. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they, 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 like, you know, and it was all old stuff, so I was like, trying go modern, go modern.
0: But yeah, like, you look at 50 Cent, and he challenged Floyd Mayweather to read. And it was just like, you know, Floyd Mayweather has been, like, raised from childhood to be, like, a prize fighter, but he can't read, so you gotta attack him on that at, like axis where he just, like, here's the thing he's incompetent at. And for the longest time, everybody was attacking rug Delver, like, straight on in these, like, mid-range battles, just, like, exactly where the deck excels. And now people are finally, like, challenging the deck to read.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I don't think they're actually challenging the deck, but that's what they should be doing. Uh,
0: I think I think people are getting better about it. I think um, for the longest time, like, Rug just got to free roll people, <clears throat> but now we're seeing people play, like, you know, do things like actually cut Punishing Fire from lands, and then they realized, oh, I can beat, like... You know, I can beat the format, right? The the deck becomes good again because you aren't playing removal. That's just situationally good, uh, and situationally means like almost never because lands or punishing fires like pretty terrible right now. Um. So, you know, I I wrote an article about this leading up to Eternal Weekend. Lands was one of the decks that I pegged as good. Um, there's some other things in there that. Uh, are pretty interesting, I guess. Um, that's, that's kind of where I'm at with that. Casey Lancaster has an interesting four-color lands list that uh, is basically like the Ruglands list, but is playing Abrupt Caves as a splash. And I really like that. Um, so, you know.
1: Yeah, I looked at the challenge list, and I was baffled because, like, that Shadow won it. And I'm just like... Never get the Death Shadow as good so. Uh,
0: like when people are like inbreeding to beat each other in rug mares, Death Shadow gets kind of some free reign, right? People are cutting dismembers for, uh, submerges or whatever. So you know, Death Shadow as a deck is either just like pretty terrible, or just randomly has a good weekend because everyone just ignored it well hj
1: hj kaiser took third with a four color delver deck with fatal pushes so like an abrupt decay so he actually didn't care about the shadow like it was kind of funny because i was like oh look here's a deck that's already said i'm ready to beat that deck so i don't know
0: yeah he was talking in the group chat that he Threw his deck together and put as many thought seizes and fatal pushes in it as possible. Yeah, and it appears that he did in fact <laughs> do that. It it looks a lot like his um bug delver, his bug delver list from Eternal Weekend, and I actually like the way he went with four color, where like red is the splash. I think when black is your splash, like it makes your mana sequencing pretty awkward and. Hard to go about things, but like bug with and right Six is interesting. Uh, I'm usually not a fan of no reach and Delver shells, but you know this is the mid rangeest mid range of mid range. And
1: yeah, he's got definitely. two Okos, so his reach is like he has a bitter blossom that will win the game,
0: right? Infinite yeah. Planeswalkers, etc. Yeah. yeah. Maybe you don't need lightning bolts in the current format. Maybe maybe just actually being a better goyf deck uh, again is fine. And like having fatal push and abrupt decay gives you actual answers to like opposing goyf. So that whole side game of like I have my Goyf down, and you have to submerge it goes away. But <clears throat> with that in mind, I kind of get the employment of two submerge in his list, but I also kind of
1: want something else right like oh no i want tyrant scorn if you're this blue black you just play tyrant scorn
0: yeah like he has the brazen bars from merit Lace, which are cool i kind of want some tyrant scorn i like i get submerged it's just like not good against the death shells like it's embarrassingly not good and i don't want the cinder vines
1: so yeah i'm a big fan of null Rod right now but we don't need to go through a deep dive in the uh, challenge. I was just like looking at it. sorry, I was just looking at it to uh, observe like what I'd missed. And then I saw more Dover and more Delver and more Delver and said, nope I didn't miss anything. That was like an interesting um, There's an interesting list where it was like a Bant food blade deck. And that was interesting to me.
0: I think I briefly saw that. You know, I was gonna take a break from Legacy, but H.J.'s list actually has me intrigued. So... I may have just been pulled back in.
1: I actually like his list a lot just because I don't like the red. I hate playing red, but I feel like it's a necessity of Legacy because of Red Blast. So... I think this... And then it got, like, reinforced by the printing of red and Six.
0: So... I'm fine with red. Uh, it's more just like everybody's. So rug is either just like free rolling people or getting destroyed, and I kind of like the idea of being able to sidestep that dynamic a little bit, and like having access to the black kind of lets you do that to a degree. Well,
1: well, at the end of the, uh, at the end of the last meta before Eternal Weekend, right? When we were just talking about Rug Delver all the time, we were moving, we moved from all the red threats, right? So,
0: uh, yeah, well, you couldn't play Dreadhorde Arcanist because of, um, like, just because of mana efficiency issues and people capitalizing on those. And, like, I can't state how much I hate Hex Drinker as a card. Uh, Its main upsizer is that it's just like a turn one play and then a surprising amount of the time players will like elect to blow up your Hex Drinker over like your Tarmogoy or your Delver of Secrets that's already flipped and it's just like, okay, I guess, Um, sure, or something. So, I don't know, I, I like the idea of having Thoughtseize in my deck again, I think that card is... Kind of perpetually well positioned
1: a lot of the times. So. You no, know, I, I I like this list. I um, I like Thoughtseize. I kind of like this as a four color version, because it's not really four colors. It's really just three. Yeah, so. bug splat. Like. <clears throat> the
0: the thing that was awkward about the rug slash black was like. You couldn't play main deck discard because it messed with your mana sequencing. Um, drawing your underground C2 early was terrible, but I think this deck is just like conceding that you're not playing Ren and Six on turn two a lot of the time. Um, and that seems reasonably acceptable, I guess. The mana base is interesting to me, uh, but I don't have any strong feelings
1: Quite yet on that. Well, he's more of a mid range deck, even with because he goes up to twenty lands, right? Like he's he's completely capitalizing on being the king of mid range.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: And he is a blue green deck, splash black, really splash red. I, I like I like the list a lot. Um, I think you could do nineteen lands, but maybe he's tested enough because he still has.
0: I wouldn't run nineteen lands in four color. It's too greedy.
1: But I don't know. I like the list. I don't know if I'd play Rugged Over because I'm really not playing Legacy right now. So
0: yeah, I I think if I was to play Legacy, I would be playing Storm. Um, like Storms at the top of my list. Lands really strikes me as something to explore. HJ's list uh, definitely stands out to me as something to explore. Uh, but past that, I feel like I'm not really super interested in a lot of things. So, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that's kind of just it. Like, run 6 has made the format pretty uninteresting to play. Um The, the card creates terrible game dynamics, so I don't really want to dive too deep into that. We've complained about the card enough, and hopefully, well, not hope, well, hopefully they get rid of it. And it seems like the greater legacy community is slowly starting to um, come around and just get tired of playing with and against the card. So maybe that'll lead to some change, maybe not the removal of Legacy from the SCG circuit was not a shocking plot twist. You know, on the last episode we recorded, uh, I mentioned, you know, hashtag RipLegacy as a thing, and um, that came a lot faster than I thought it would. Yep. I, I most definitely didn't expect it to happen this soon. Um... Like, I expected a slow decline, not SCG wholesale cutting, like, legacy events and removing them from their schedule, like, you know, a month out from the next one, which was Columbus. But I don't know. Uh, This is kind of in the inevitable situation with the format, I think. just like eventually it was going to go the way of Vintage.
1: Yeah, I mean we if you've been playing Legacy since they had the uh, two opens every weekend and then we went to the one open and Legacy sometimes and then Legacy was sometimes less and we got the Chuck E. Cheese ball tickets and it's basically been subtracted as a whole the entire time and i mean paper magic as a whole is down like the numbers are just not what they used to be so like legacy if if standard tournaments are having issues firing and modern tournaments are low low attendance then people have to realize that legacy's you know not going to be pleasing <clears throat> the masses either so
0: uh well Legacy was pleasing its player base, right? Um, its player
1: base, but not like the tournament organizers.
0: Sure, but that's like it. The way you worded it kind of made it sound more like an intrinsic issue with the format and like not like the metrics that Star City operates on. Like, I think a lot of players don't quite realize. So, like, I've known Mark Nestico for years, and for years he's been saying that Legacy hasn't been hitting the relevant metrics that Star City cares about. And I think everyone looks at, like, tournament attendance as the metric when, in reality, Star City cares about views and sales. So, like, when everybody is looking at... Tournament attendance, and they're comparing it to standard opens. It's like, yeah, sure. Like, you are most definitely like hitting the same benchmark, but the difference is that Star City wants people to buy
1: cards and sell cards to them. Yeah, sell cards is big, actually. Yeah, that, that's... move their cards. So that's like you know, it's like a like I say, like you go play a standard tournament, you got to go buy the deck. You buy the deck. You play it, you get crushed because you did limited testing and whatever, and you're like whatever, and you go back to the booth and you sell it back. How much money did Star City just make there? Right, right, making money off of people like flipping their decks back to them.
0: Sure, I think um, that's definitely a factor. Like another thing about legacy players is like they buy cards and don't unload them slash they don't buy cards at the same frequency as other formats like this year has been an anomaly but like every card that a legacy player has had to buy has been cro- cross across format staple for the most part so you kind of just have to like disregard this year and look at previous years where you know, what did we get last what did we even get last year for legacy that was relevant like death shadow got picked up a bit
1: uh search for ascanta um, which isn't even played anymore, but it was. That,
0: that was played for, like, three weeks. Um, what was it?
1: Uh, Ixalan block. excellent so block, Kaladesh block. Um, actually, I could just... So, like, Chandra? Yeah.
0: Chandra, I guess. Yeah. We I don't mean, need I... to go that deep. The, it's. I think the fact that we're struggling so hard to think of, like... Reasonable number of cards that people would have wanted to buy last year uh, is somewhat telling. It is somewhat anecdotal, but it's also telling of the point here that, like.
1: Well, the format was different, too. So we had Delver. We had still had Death Rate, right? Yeah, yeah. So, like, things getting into the format was much harder. And then, you know, with the shakeup and then 2019. Everything has been printed at an insane rate. So, ...and I don't yeah. think we got anything else. I think Search for Ascanto was it. I know yeah, people I, will I'm sure me. there
0: were other things. There's like Teferi and stuff, like five drop Teferi saw so little play, but yes. nothing major. So, I don't know. I'm not shocked to see this happening. I think at this point, players should just foster their local scenes. Um,. Legacy players should put more effort into supporting tournaments. You kind of can't do the, I'm not going to go to insert random tournament because the payout isn't as good as I want. That's how you get eternal extravaganza ending. Um. You know, if you want TOs to support you, you have to support your TOs. And if you create a parasitic relationship where you, where they like put on events, but you aren't pumping money into the ecosystem, then like, you know people are just gonna move on and I get that it feels bad but like nobody cares that you bought dual lands 10 years ago from scG like that's how retail is it's not a matter of like what did you do for me at one point it's a matter of what it what do you what have you done for me lately so I don't know it's it's unfortunate it's frustrating I hope that we still are able to get like legacy at scG con at the least or like a couple legacy GPs. None have been announced. Uh, And I hope that this isn't just like the wholesale death of the format on a grand scale. But it wouldn't be a shock to me.
1: Nope. Also, uh, quick, quick. We got the Battle Bond set, which had like Arena Rector, Archon of Alice Reach, uh, Goblin Trashmaster, Reforceable Cleric, uh Assassin's Trophy, Legion War <laughs> Boss, Goblin Crater Maker. That was so
0: <laughs> are there any cards that like you had to pick up as more than a two of realistically speaking?
1: Uh Assassin's Trophy. People were picking up a bunch of them.
0: Yeah, people uh, were picking up
1: play sets, but you, you realistically didn't
0: need more than two. Right. Uh the Legion War boss, because that was the eight okay. goblins. Right. <clears throat> and how much what is that? card worth like what's it's
1: what's the oh, ceiling on that price like five bucks at the most not even not even that it was like two i think it just got expensive uh recently because it's yeah out of print. i mean like brightlings were expensive for a little bit but then they crashed arena rectors were still expensive and that's a four of but that's a battle bond set so they don't really care about that but like you know and i think i would even call 2018 with all those cards and a uh that was a strange year for us as well. How like, so? Because that was a lot of cards. Like, I think that was a sure. lot of cards.
0: Because, I mean, well, like... By previous metrics, that was a lot of cards. But yeah. Before, it was, like, one legacy card per set. And then it slowly became two and three. And now we're, like, you know, well, having the format drastically shift with every set printing because of the overt power level of cards.
1: I mean, I didn't even do a deep dive, but, like, I now, looking at the sets that they've mentioned creeping chill started showing up in dredge decks. Um Grasco Golgari Queen started showing up in different decks. Uh Night of the Autumn was in all the Maverick decks and everything. These are emission briefing. True, true. At the end of the, like it was like if you link about it like that was 2018.
0: <laughs> and so <you> know. <clears throat> so like legacy
1: basically got a bunch of like
0: cheapish rares that weren't like bonkers expensive no but they they weren't like making a huge damp, right and like that's what CG wants for like better or worse whether or not you consider that unfortunate it's like they're in the market of making the money off of well cards
1: right that could be a self created issue if they don't highlight legacy then the demand's not going to be there so the card prices will not be as high But if they created demand by offering legacy, that would prop up the prices for the car. So, like, the cars not being worth as much money is kind of a self created issue. Sure, sure. I could definitely see that. Um, But then there's the
0: issue of, like, the reserve list (coughs) creating an
1: obnoxious barrier of entry to the format. Right. I think that's like the biggest argument for them to, to stop doing it. Like that was what Ben Blindwise came out, whatever his name is, the uh uh he's like the head buyer at Star City, I believe. And he came out with that comment that, you know, basically it came down to it, they know it's gonna go away. And as long as Wizards keeps enforcing the reserve list that they do not support, SCG does not or according to him, SCG does not support it, does not approve of it and they know legacy is going to continue to dwindle and dwindle and dwindle because the card prices are going to continue to skyrocket and there will be no new blood into the format so why in- inject money into it and keep as it keeps getting smaller every year and he said like if they ever abolish the reserve list they would re look at like they would take another look at legacy as a format so I can find the post and post it. was a Reddit post that he made comments on. Uh, but... If you want to, I, it
0: makes sense to me that that would definitely be a bottleneck and a struggle for them as a company. Um, again, frustrating, kind of disappointing, also just like totally understandable from a purely like <clears throat> soulless um like capitalistic viewpoint.
1: Right. Well, I mean, like some people will say, well, they didn't have to get rid of the classics because, you know, if they, they could have held the opens, but if like you go in to read it, they actually like Ben's statement about it. Cause the actual real statement we got was like, basically a hiccup legacy is gone. Goodbye. And let's talk about the rest of the stuff. You know, it was a very short legacy is by Ben talks about it more. And he said like, we can't, we don't want to do classics because those people can get uh, PT or uh, inv- invitational invites, and they don't want other formats channeling into the invitational anymore. They want you to play the formats that the invitational has. So, you know. I didn't way, know all that. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. It was in the article, it was in the Reddit post. It was like really interesting where he basically said, you know. We want. We want. Uh, the invitation will be about the stuff that's going on. So, sure, I guess. <clears throat> like the invitation
0: has gone through a few iterations of. Uh, what was it? Legacy and standard, and then it became modern and standard, and now it's modern and pioneer for
1: this upcoming one because standard is so heinous. Oh, it's yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it's, <clears throat> it's 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 that's actually a funny thing all all in itself but yeah like like i get they don't want it it will be miserable to watch on camera but i actually think it's kind of a cool standard in the fact that for the pros it's great the games are really
0: deep and intricate but the issue is like you can't have standard formats like day one of the pro tour went 12 hours like that's absurd
1: right Right. Well, and it's just like there's a lot. There's a lot more to it. There's a lot more to it. Um, like <clears throat> we have, like uh, we have, you know, like you you you've had formats where new decks came in out of nowhere at the pro tour and surprised everyone, and so like pros lost points because they weren't ready for this. Where this, this was like a format where people knew exactly what was coming. And so we we probably had, like, one of the most tuned standards ever. So. Yeah, gonna... it was a solid
0: format going in, right? Right. Uh, um. Yeah, I don't know. Like, we don't need to do a deep dive on the Pro Tour and all of that. Uh, I don't think I have much else to say with regards to Legacy. I know, like... James Sue tweeted out that <clears throat> there was a period where he heavily identified with just, like, the idea of being the legacy guy. And that was ingrained into, like, his identity as a magic player. And after a while, he stopped, I like, leaning into that as heavily and started just kind of looking at himself as, you know, a guy who... Plays magic and loves legacy, and I think that's like a good way to go about things. Uh, You know, for I I get that that isn't going to work for everybody, right? Like, not everybody is going to be fine with being like the legacy guy or not the legacy guy because that is their personality or that is their identity thus far. But I think there are some players who. Uh, might want to use this opportunity to try out other formats and could potentially find enjoyment in other formats. I know personally, like, I'll go really hard on Legacy for a while and then not touch the format at all because I'll get burned out. So, like, at this point, I'm kind of burned out, but it was, like, the naturally expected cycle. It just happened to coincide with, like, me getting bored of, like, Rugged or like, hitting a point of
1: frustration, so... I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I've always been the legacy guy. But in the last, like, three years, I've been kind of bored with legacy. I still love it. But, like, I've just lost kind of interest. So I started playing, like, Modern, I started even, like... At one point, I played Oathbreaker, but that was just too casual for me. Um... And then I've been playing Arena a lot, and it's helped me like <clears throat> it's helped me change up a lot of my thoughts about Magic because I I used to like drafting a lot, but I hate going to drafts. So I think I, for I, me, I, uh, sorry, what were you saying? I think if you don't like if you don't like what's going on, like you know, you you have other options in Magic and pioneers also really fresh so like that's something else i don't know go ahead
0: i don't know it's not the biggest deal oh i was going to make a comment about how like i'm kind of at the point where legacy is by far my favorite format but the more and more things pan out it's like like legacy is a format where design mistakes go to live and you know cards like wasteland stifle uh pick a deck in Legacy, I can point at four cards that are just, like, not really enjoyable to play against. Um, there's a lot of, like, just unfun game dynamics that somehow become fun based on, like, the context of the matchups, based on, like, you know, how the decks stack up against each other, because games kind of end up being, like, puzzles in a way, and I think that, um, You know that's like nice, but prolonged exposure, at least for me, gets to a point where I all I start to notice is like these terrible game dynamics, and I start getting to a point where I just don't enjoy playing any matchups. So I like taking a break or treating legacy just like a delicacy. Um, so that's that's kind of about it. Where I'm at on that whole situation.
1: Yeah, <clears throat> pardon me. Yeah, I don't know. I do, I do think, like I don't know, like the whole Ben Blindwise thing. It's on, or however you say his name. It's Blywise. Uh You'll Bwise. just have to add the link. Um, it's it's a very cool read. I there's a million comments because people hate on him, but he was very honest. Like the only bad thing he says in his article or his Reddit post was that um he didn't he says like you legacy players for cuz they're going to apparently put it at the SCG con and he says like you you legacy player <clears throat> you don't show up we'll definitely cut the con representation for the next year so if you want to get you know get us then you'll get us and we'll, we won't be there so you know.
0: Yeah I mean that's pretty obvious right I I've seen people talk about like how we should boycott SCG and blah 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 and it's like SCG functionally did the, like, you know, one night stand and then hit you with the your Uber is here. And saying you're going to boycott is like saying, well, I'm not going to get in this Uber. I'm just going to stand outside and be angry. And it's like, yeah, um, that, like, SCG obviously doesn't really care about your money or doesn't feel like the legacy demographic important enough to actively cater towards anymore because, like, the buying force is gone and, you know, numbers, viewership is, like, mediocre or whatever. Uh, But they obviously, like, don't hate the player base enough to just outright cut events. But, you know, like you said, if they host an event and nobody shows up, then GG,
1: like, that's it. Yeah, I mean... They, like he he says. I mean, it's really it's a really good read. I know some people will attack it and whatever, but like it's a it's so, it's so, it's so solid. They said they love Legacy, and they kept it even when it was bad for them to keep it because they love it. But at this point in time, with Pioneers a new format, and they've got to like stretch their resources all the way. Like they see no they see no reason to keep it. Anymore.
0: Yeah, know. yeah, there was definitely it was pretty clear that like legacy was being held, uh, in place by the fact that, um, there was no format to replace it. Right. Right. And now there is, and speaking of replacing legacy, how about we transition some not, well, quite literally transition from legacy discussion to
1: pioneer discussion uh okay mr star city Games. talk to me about some pioneer Ooh, just gonna <laughs> call me a sellout damn <sighs> that, was, that was a transition
0: <laughs> that was that was definitely a transition you go on um, <laughs> calm down calm down <laughs> Now you're just, like, making jokes that nobody's going to get, but could potentially piss random people off. And I, just, <laughs> I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to deal with all that. Um, yeah, so I decided to dive into Pioneer over the weekend. Um, tried a few things. Uh, I tried the Blue-Green Nexus deck. I, I watched Anurag stream, it, and the deck seemed interesting, and... Like I wanted a deck with like a pretty decent proactive game plan, and like the deck is just solitaire for the most part. And then I also tried Dylan Hovey's blue-white mid-range deck, and I've started to develop like a decent number of thoughts on the format after like playing a few leagues and looking at deck lists. And like my thoughts over the weekend were like. There's a huge efficiency problem in this format where a lot of decks don't do anything impactful until turn three. And I noticed that like mono black, mono red slash like a Tarka red and then mono green were the decks that seem to be like dominating the format. And I think that's in, in part just like, or largely in part because those decks actually have relevant like one, two, three curves. And with removal being so spotty as it is, just across all of the colors for the most part, uh, or at least, like, one mana removal, <coughs> mana dorks just seem kind of busted to me. So, like, it doesn't shock me that, like, Todd Anderson top-aided back-to-back PTQs with, like, deck when everybody else is playing these disjointed piles, because, like... I played against a decent number of decks, and I was just like, kind of looking at them, and I was just like, why? But I don't understand. Like, I played against a ramp deck that kind of just didn't do anything. Um, I played against like, I played against like a mono-black devotion, splashing of Ruptikay, and Assassin's Trophy. And there's like a, a three-mana Shade. I don't know what it's called, but it's literally triple black for, like, a 3-3 three, three and it has the shade ability. Yep. I'm just like, I don't think this card is good unless I'm missing something. Like, it just
1: didn't seem good in the abstract. Like I'm, sur- it, I'm surprised they played that card. I've seen the mono black deck, but I've yet to see them play that, that one. That was a cycle, right? There was the blue one who gets bigger for every island you have. There was the red one as Goblin Chain Whirler, I believe. Yeah.
0: So like, like, right now, it seems like this format's at a point where people have a lot of cool ideas and are trying to do cool things. And there's a lot of good players with cool ideas. And they're doing well with decks that seem suboptimally built to me. And then there's a lot of people just getting run through by these singular colored decks that don't have the same mana issues that they do and actually get to do something relevant. Like, all the mono green deck is doing is, like, Casting a Anissa on turn like three or four, which is like obviously really good, but like like this deck is literally just like elves and
1: oh, but manuses. what Nissa? <clears throat> what Nissa are you talking about? Because it, it, they play three different Nissas now. <laughs> uh, I mean the list I'm looking at just plays
0: Shakes the World. Yeah, um, the,
1: the the devotion deck plays the. Three green mana one, Nissa from the last core set. One colorless, three green, because she provides three green pips and she can search for. Uh, uh, your I big think, fatty. I think you're confusing Nissa with um. Oh, Vivian. Vivian. You're right. I that was yeah. my fault. Uh, Nyssa Nissa Vital Force has also been popping up, in, in in decks now. So it's like there's a lot of Nissas for me, but you're right about Vivian. Vivian was who I was thinking of.
0: Yeah, and, like, all this deck is doing is just exploiting people's, like, inability to interact with elves on the first few turns, and then, like, the draw felt really bad in a lot of, in the decks I was trying, because, like I said, like, you aren't doing anything for a few turns, so, like, if your opponent is a deck that plays any sort of relevant two-drop, you just felt kind of awkward, so, uh, so green deck stands out to me as something potentially really sweet uh well, there is four, like
1: do they have 12 mana dorks now right four four four
0: no they have eight mana dorks and then like uh four nycthos in the burning train series
1: oh i thought they were playing the, the hexproof two one as well no mm, so, no nah.
0: nah, they probably play sylvan carried before that maybe i maybe not um, there is, like, a ramp deck that people were playing, like this red-green ramp deck. I haven't played much of it. I watched a friend play it, and it seemed like it just mulliganed pretty terribly. Um, it's, like, it's, like, red-green ramp that uses... The red is, like, basically just for a Tarka, and then it has a bunch of colorless lands to facilitate, thought not here and... Um, what's the card? The, like colorless lightning bolt effect plus three minus three
1: plus three minus three
0: yeah it's like it's not warping whale it's uh oh
1: uh yes oh my gosh it's it's got a it's the other eldrazi spell what is that one called uh nameless or inversion something
0: nameless not nameless inversion it's no nameless um, inversion is the original card it was designed on yeah whatever changeling but yes yes um like, I was using that, like, I was using those cards, and they seem kind of medium. Uh, I wasn't sure if red was actually needed, and I was thinking, like, having blue for growth spiral seems potentially better. Uh, I'm not, again, not 100% sure on any of those. These are, like, mostly my initial thoughts of things I just kind of want to delve into at some point and try out. Um, and... Like, there's some other decks that I wanted to try, but I guess we should quickly touch on today's ban. Um, because that kind of changes how I was evaluating some decks in the format. Um, for those of you, well, I'm sure most of you have already heard, <clears throat> but for those who haven't, Dale of Summer was banned.
1: Good riddance. Get out.
0: Yeah, it. So, like. The card was nuts. Um, having a functional like Pyroblast that can cantrips that's also just good against a lot of the format is absurd.
1: And wait, wait, wait. One green mana Cryptic Command is, is really good? Yeah, definitely. And, like...
0: My issue was when I was looking at decks, it was like I, I was playing... I was playing the Nexus deck, and I'd play against, like, black decks, and I was playing against blue decks, and I would just destroy them with Veil of Summer. Like, it just made the post-war game so easy. And that just, like, invalidated discard and counter spells as angles of attack. So, like, if my opponent was playing a black deck that couldn't just goldfish kill me on turn four, I didn't care. Against, like, the control decks, I basically, like, had to, like, miss board or, like, play poorly or timeout um to lose to them and like i just don't think that one singular card should like outright invalidate a lot of strategies like pyroblast is one thing in terms of just like being a good at rate interactive piece but veil of summer like pyroblast is fine in a format where you have free countermagic that costs zero mana or one mana because you're trading like at rate or you're trading like marginally above rate. But when you're like pyroblasting someone's absorb, right? You're that's like getting to the point where you're one mana time walking them at instant speed, which is kind of a problem. Uh, so I I'm happy with the ban, but it does make me question like the future of some of the decks I was looking into. Um I'm sure Mono is still going to be good because of, like, the rate reasons I mentioned before. It just, like, is able to execute a consistent plan kind of like a turn or so faster than most decks are really prepared to handle it. Um, but now maybe, like, you know, I was looking at blue-white control for a minute. And I paused on that idea because I was like, I'm not really interested in... This deck, I just think Teferi and Supreme Verdict are really well positioned. Because um, those are like consistently two of the better cards in the Blue White tempo shell uh, because of how the format's shaping up. There's a lot of decks that either die to Teferi, like the control decks or the nectar shells, or you have a bunch of people playing like these slowish creature decks or like these aggressive creature decks where if you can cast a Supreme Verdict, you often just kind of win the game on the spot and uh, at first I thought the control deck would be a good fit fit for that and then I was just like off of it because counterspells seemed so bad like between Teferi and Veil of Summer it was just a disgusting position and then Veil got banned so maybe the control decks are like not as bad you know maybe you don't
1: Maybe. <laughs> I think the counterspells are still just as bad because like the problem with the theory is like they're still getting to their mana faster than you're getting to your counterspell mana. Uh
0: sure, but like it it gives you like it, it, your opponent like leads with a land rope, right? You play your land and go. They play another elf or whatever, you play your land negate or negate up, right? Or just stand broke up, right? They can't just like untap, um, play like a Vivian or some sort of bomb threat that you wanna like counter or negate or whatever, and then you get blown up by Veil of Summer basically into the game on the spot. Uh so I think it adds like a different dynamic. I do agree that like three mana counter spells are a bit weak. Uh and like on top of three mana counter spells being a weak uh like removal sucks Mm -hmm. which which like there's abrupt decay and assassin's trophy and then there's like fatal push which is a mediocre spell without fetch lands uh you you don't get the consistency of killing four drops so it's basically just like shock and black because most of the creatures that you're killing uh at two cmc or less have usually two-ish toughness right
1: no, they're usually ones. You're, it's usually a good shot. It's a good shot that you paid mana for. <laughs>
0: right. But, it's functionally synonymous with Disfigure in a lot of stuff. It's for like yeah. Smuggler's Copter. Um, yeah, I've actually thought about running the Deadweight. Isn't Disfigure legal in this format? Yeah, but I've thought about
1: running Deadweight. Why would you run Deadweight outside of like Seasons Past? Um, If you want to add like a Delirium finish to your deck.
0: Uh, I'm not sure that's worth it, but that's interesting, I guess.
1: Like, well, I'm um, Emrakul the Promise End was what I was thinking of for the top end of my deck, because I can easily put instant sorcery creature, planeswalker. I can put everything but enchantment, but then Deadweight gives me the enchantment, and you can also put it on a bigger creature just to make it hit less. So, that was what I was thinking when I did it, when I was thinking it.
0: I could see that being a potential like angle of attack. I'm not sure if it's necessarily needed, but um, I don't completely hate it. I, I don't really like it though. It, <clears throat> I'm like so one thing about this format is like I'm seeing decks that are playing <clears throat> the ability to like turn forward Ulamog or whatever or like you could play Immortal. But my immediate question after after like that is like why? Is there a reason for it, right? I don't I don't think there's an inherent reason to need to go that big on your opponent. Like we're we have a format where just like playing Nissa a, a turn or two early just beats people because like you're playing Nissa the turn, they're playing like I don't know, Reflector Mage or like some dorky like three drop or whatever, right? So like you're just beating them in terms of like card value at a faster velocity. So like going even bigger just adds an extra of extra like level of um, inconsistency to your deck and like reliance on effects lining up in a certain way, which doesn't really stand out to me as something I want to do right now. Or like you know, it's not like Trod where it's very easy to assemble. It's like you're playing like really narrow ramping grots and you're playing like elvish. Settler or whatever it is, Pioneer or whatever
1: it is. Um, uh, uh, Elvish. Oh, the three mana guy that puts a land in a play. Yeah, it's uh, Elvish Reclaimer. No, no, Reclaimer. that's the that's that's the one from Legacy. That's Magus of the Crop Rotation. Um, yeah, yeah, Elvish, Elvish Instigator, I think, or something. Whatever we in, it is, it's not a really silly name. I don't. I remember when the card got previewed. I couldn't believe how insane power level it was, and then it just went away. And now it's we're in a format where it's good again. Yeah.
0: So like, it's just one of those things. Like you're relying on all these facts. You know, I don't, I don't really want to play the card Arborio Grazer. Like I don't particularly yep. want to play a card that high ceiling that also just has like the lowest floor
1: possible. Rejuvenator. All this rejuvenator. Okay. I think it's that. I think it's. Are you? T- if you're talking about the three mana one, I have to look at it. Yeah. Top five um, cards put a land yep so like i just don't
0: care about like like i don't i don't feel like you need to make your deck nutty i just want my decks to like be able to do something semi relevant on curve and like, maybe be able to capitalize on people's decks being way less efficient. Um, like, I don't know. I don't know, we'll see. Like, Control stands out to me. Dovin's Veto just became a good card. Like, Negate felt insane outside uh, out of the sideboard of the um, Nexus deck. And Dovin's Veto not just getting bodied by... Um, veil of summer potentially gives like blue white control the tools it needs to really like really maybe dominate it's hard to say like supreme verdict is just like the best white removal spell right now um deck stone isn't bad i think like everyone i've had a conversation with keeps telling me that deck stone is terrible and i don't really agree
1: with them no deck and but... is really good deck is really good <sighs> Uh, is it charm to me is the best counterspell in the format, but that's because it does other things. So, like, your Supreme Verdict deck's got creatures handled. You just need non creatures to have interaction. Um, I don't know with post veil what it's going to change, because I don't think it changes the mono green deck. I think the mono green deck is still going to do its thing, because it's just fast. Um, yeah, exactly. Like, if I was. There's. Uh, maybe thought that like you splash Thought Season on the mono green deck, right? Right, instead of Veil. That's what exactly what I was going to say. You play some number of woodland cemeteries and then um, you play overgrown tombs and you've got black mana. And yeah. that's just now your Veil vale of Summers at Thought seizes. So,
0: yeah. I was also talking like, to Marcus Luong and he was considering, he was like, basically on the Oko is busted, how do we exploit a train? And, you know, sideboard counterspells came up, and I was like, sideboard counterspells are kind of terrible when everybody's playing Veil vale or Summer. But that statement didn't hold up at all, so...
1: No. Well, that... <clears throat> like Veil B- checked a card that is now going to be the best removal. What card? Abrupt Decay. Oh, sure. Abrupt Decay was the best removal in the format before Veil was gone. And it just got better. Like that everybody's been playing black. And it's just for Heroes Downfall or Murderous Rider, whichever you one you like, and then abrupt decay. So like that was why Soul Tie was like the mid-range toy of decks. So and and Bale was keeping it in check, all these mono green decks and blue-green decks. Bale was keeping all that stuff in check. Now they don't have Vale. I want to see where the format spins from that. Does Soul Tide become king again? I don't know.
0: I could see it. Um, Like, the discard spells and counter spells just kind of got unbanned, right? Yep. So we have, like, more axes of interaction. Like, a card like Collective Brutality, you can actually, like, play it. Because, like, before, you you couldn't afford to escalate that card ever, unless you were playing, like, Mono Red.
1: But now... You actually sideboarded Collective Brutality because you could only play it against Mono Red. Right. You know, like, gain options are kind of awkward right now. So, yeah. Like, I, uh, I don't know if you've looked at, like, the Esper list and the Sultai list, but what they were doing was they were they were playing four Thought Ceases and two Thought Erasures, even with Veil of Summer in the format. They were playing six discard spells. They were playing... That's how anti counter spell they were. So, I don't know what happens now, because yeah. I think I think Collective Vitality <clears throat> is a better card than Thought Erasure. Uh, potentially, I think the issue is that Thought Erasure
0: is, uh, by and large, going to be usually worse than just playing Thoughtsees. So you kind of max out your discard slots in the main deck, uh, unless you want to play. A mix of both effects, but you start running into issues with redundancy. So, like if you're sideboarding a discard effect, you want one that has flexibility across more matchups, right? So that's where Collective Brutality comes into play. Well, that that's, what I, like, that's what I was saying.
1: It's like that's why I was saying Collective Brutality is better than Thought Erasure, right? Like we would like it's a better card. I think that
0: Thought Erasure is like as like a one for one power level. I think Thought Erasure is a better card. But okay. in terms of, like, valuing flexibility or just, like, the ability to get more out of your sideboard slots, that's where Collective Brutality becomes better. So I think it's a matter of what
1: you value there. Uh, no, that's uh, true. I, I always take it from the control role, where I can blow up creatures, so all I want it to do is hit non-creatures, which Collective Brutality does. Yeah, but
0: if you're just looking for, like, hitting non-creatures, why not just play Duress and get the added mana efficiency? Like, Collector Tally isn't an efficient card, and, like, in terms of escalating it, like, you aren't escalating it in fair matchups. Like, the only matchups you're escalating that card are, like, combo matchups, where you're just, like, or, like, against Red, where you are accepting I won't have time to cast all three of these cards, so let me bin some of them to get an extra effect.
1: Right. Well, I think that's why I want it because I think aggro is always present. So that's why I want the collective brutality over thought erasure.
0: Yeah, for sure. I also just realized that collective brutality is a two mana card that lets you, like, it has. It's a two mana card that has a bunch of effects that are like, build dig through times. Just no, like, they they're all like effects that you pay one mana for. Like, yes, drain two, gain two. You'd pay one mana for that. Uh, disfigure that's a one mana card, and then like the rest is a one mana card. But as you escalate, you're functionally taking a two mana card, and you can you're basically turning cards into mana, so what? in a way, or well, the first escalation is card Zero. negative, mana neutral. No, it's card and mana neutral, right? right? And then the when you fully escalate it, you're getting just like a Lotus Petal for free. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I don't know, I just hadn't thought about that before, just, like, the relation of that card to mana.
1: Well, they and... also build the Dig Through Time. Yeah. But so, but uh, so does Thought Erasure, so...
0: Yeah, that... the One thing that does worry me about discard and does pull me towards, like, um... Something like the Grixis Pyromancer deck, or, like, mid-range deck, uh, Rugved, uh... Reminded me this deck exists, uh, the, like Young Pyromancer Thoughtseize Treasure Cruise deck, and then, um, or also Bug is like Thoughtseize is a powerful card, but the blue delve draw spells are like not cards you want to play against with your Thoughtseize deck because they just so heavily punish you, right? Like the, when those cards were like legal in Legacy, one of the biggest complaints was like, this effect punishes my opponent for playing Magic, or at least attempting to. Um, because, it killed like, him you, to Turok. Well, it wasn't that it killed him to Turok, it just killed mid-range Magic, right? Like You try to play a game where you 1-for-1 your opponent down and like bring them down, or play like a class, or, quote, class a classic game of Magic, and then at the end of it all they just go yeah so here's like ancestral number one that plays right in ancestral number two don't you feel dumb for thought seizing me and when I was playing Nexus I noticed that effect there were times where like you know if my opponent thought sees me it felt bad if but eventually I would just like draw a dig through time or like flip my searchers game and just destroy my opponent right. because it was so, e- like, those cards make it so easy to recover from just, like, quote unquote, fair interaction. So, being able to play a deck that gets to, like, thought see someone to break up their early game curve, but also have counter magic to, uh, destroy their, like, best top decks seems great to me.
1: I know that him was killed during the Digby time reign. Like, sure, this decks and a couple of the other hem decks had to drop their hems because they were basically feeding the dig through times faster.
0: Well, it was also a matter of just like being in an efficient deck, right? Like Jund, like punishing Jund was just kind of like built to beat Delver, but when your Delver opponent is like not playing Wasteland and can just go under you and like just burn you out, then you look kind of dumb. And then like Shardless Bug was always just like a terribly inefficient deck, but you know, nobody was really evaluating the format such that people were actually attempting to beat that deck uh, in terms of, like, not fighting it. It kind of goes back to, like, my uh, Floyd Mayweather analogy, right? Everybody was trying to, like, fistfight Charlotte's Bug instead of, like, you know, telling it to read. So.
1: Yeah, I, I would like to see... I, I've been playing... Best guy fires and or desk guy because i want is it charms and supreme verdicts but my finisher is always going to be probably approach because I, I you know i was watching jarvis play one of the control decks today and they had a bunch of different value engines to win the game with but they were <clears throat> like they were basically running out of like Time because all their stuff took forever, and like they're not playing like an instant win button, like approach the second son, and I like, just couldn't figure it out.
0: So, yeah, I played against approach. I feel like that card makes you build your deck kind of weird, but I guess like maybe dig through time plus approach just kind of like mitigates that whole dynamic of having to play like a bunch of dorky draw spells or whatever. Um, but like I, I played against an opponent who was playing quicken with, like, Hour of Promise or whatever that card is. Um, <laughs> that's cute. And I was just like, okay, that's it's kind of whatever, but the, it was more an issue of just, like, again, efficiency. My opponent was trying to cast, like, a 7-mana Sorcery against me and was just getting negated. Um, just not... Like, I really just want to find a deck that has a reasonable curve doesn't have terrible mana uh like i'm kind of worried about branching the three colors because a lot of those decks looks like they have really bad mana and i don't like the spells that you get aren't super powerful which is one thing i've noticed like splashing into extra colors isn't necessarily a huge upside it's it's kind of just like what turn are you casting your effect in more or less what effects are you casting? Which is why we have mono green being a, a, the best deck, as opposed to like some sort of three color mid range pile.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, as I yeah. look through Pioneer, like I see a lot of like people having a lot of fun. They're doing some neat things, but like the mono green deck is going to be the aggro deck of the format. As far as like, it's not aggro as in attacking your life total that quickly. It's just it's aggro as it you've got so many turns the game's over. So, and I think it's the premier aggro deck. There's the Eldrazi decks. Every all the great decks in Pioneer are cheating on mana. That's that's all they're doing. They're all cheating on mana. Whether it be like you know like me playing Jeskai Fires, it's because I'm cheating on mana. I'm getting like. As soon as turn four happens, I'm getting at least four extra mana on turn. the The emerge decks that are going around these old Eldrazi emerge decks, they're cheating on mana. The the mono green decks cheating on mana, uh, the thing in the ice decks are cheating on mana. Like that's basically the best decks in Pioneer. And if you, if you're not cheating on mana and you're playing Pioneer right now, you're playing way too fair. Which in a vacuum would you count man or else it's a busted card. Uh, I think it's always been a busted magic card, <laughs> so like, really, yeah,
0: maybe my standards are different from yours, you know. Uh, but I wouldn't count land Worlds in a vacuum as a busted card, I guess. Land rolls in a vacuum is a busted card, land rolls when people can interact with it is not or have relevant turn one interaction, and that's where we're at in Pioneer, where, like, most people can't interact with your turn one Lamer Elves, so the card is
1: just absolutely busted in that regard. I mean, it's okay for... It's... Even though it dies <clears throat> to removal, it something's always going to die to removal. How good well, is your card at one? Well, like... I don't
0: care that the card like in the abstract dies to removal. My point is that people aren't killing it on turn one, right? Oh no, I definitely agree it, with that. It's, it's like insanity. or or if you like have your if your red opponent spends their turn one killing your bird and instead of developing and you have like seven more in your deck and you just play another one from your hand, like you're fine taking that trade. Right. But like all of the control decks and like grindy decks just like can't necessarily interact with that effect. So, like, you just get to ramp unimpeded. So it's just more a matter of, like, playing your payoff. And before, it was, like, have Veil vale of Summer to interact with said, like, Thoughtseize or Counterspell that your opponent had. But now that doesn't exist. So we'll see what happens. Maybe maybe we will see more of a skew towards U- Ulamog or whatever. Um, as a, this is my encounterable
1: effect. uh Let's go, kind of deal. There's also like, there's also like the fact that like it doesn't matter that it dies to like the one mana removal because like it's taking your turn. Like it's it's actually a good one mana creature. Where like all the other one mana creatures, what are they? Thraven Inspector. Like, are you going to rather cast War Elf with Thraven Inspector?
0: Um, Thraven Inspector felt okay, but like, I had to like very highly value hands that contained a copy of that card. And that was mostly because like the blue white air quote tempo deck doesn't actually have like turn one and two plays that I am enthused to do. Like, a lot of the games were like turn one either do nothing or play three, but Inspector turn two, maybe do something with my mana proactively or be forced to leave a Brazen Borrower and then like turn three, that's when I would make a play that actually was impactful. And I was talking to Dylan about maybe like lowering the deck's curve, maybe cutting down to like 25 lands, uh trying more three drops, or cutting like a Gideon or get a four drop Gideon for like 3-drop getting because the deck needs life gain. I think there's definite like, angles. I don't think the deck is bad. I think that it just has curve issues and needs a bit of tuning to really um, to really just like get to where it wants to be. Uh, that deck just
1: really wants another good 2-drop. Like, really bad. Well, what I was trying to say was basically like um when I like out of all the one drops in the format, like I think Lana War Elf and Mystic Elvish Mystic and whatever, even Gilded Goose are just like by far like better than the rest. Like uh, yeah, I'd rate the, the green one drops over the red ones. So like that that would be like where I would be like, well, like in a in, in in that vacuum, I would say yes. Like that's what I'm saying. Like in that vacuum, yes, it's a busted magic card. Yeah. Right? Like
0: Yeah, yeah, it, Like Land isn't busted in modern or like legacy because lightning bolt, fork bolt, a bunch of bolts, fatal pushes, Ren and Six exist to stop those cards from really running rampant in any way. Well it's because you can die. You can just uh, die. Sure. Like you that's... can also just die, but like yeah, that's kind of sidestepping the point. Like it's more just like I. It's kind of sidestepping the point. Like yes, you can just die, but also like your ability to untap with those cards is lower, I guess, which also plays into the just dying, but more yeah. so plays
1: into people just like having disruption. Well, I'm just so. saying, like, I think that's the difference in this form. You can't, nothing is killing you on turn two in Pioneer. So, like, you want to hurry up and get to three and four. And so, like, cheating on mana comes down to, yes, you have eight, eight one drops that cheat on mana. Like, that's probably, like, better than anything else as far as rate. I mean, technically you have, what, eight, four, 16. You have 16 that cheat. One of them uses up an extra card from your hand to do it with Arboreal Grazer, but whatever. Like in certain formats, in the format that you're speaking about where you just point and click and kill it, Arboreal Grazer is probably going to be a better ramp spell than the Land World's. But like, you know, you do lose a land out of your hand. So I, I think that, like, I just think Pioneer is all about cheating on mana right now. Like, I hope it changes, but right now it's just a race to mana that's it yeah yeah I think I think that's kind of where I'm at just heavily
0: prioritizing decks that are able to use their mana better than their opponents um, other than that I, I think that covers mostly it was were there any decks you wanted to talk about I I guess esper hero was something I kind of wanted to maybe delve into um, at some point like <clears throat> the the blue-white deck gaining Thoughtseize and some other cards seems appealing to me. But... Are you going to play Thief of Sanity? Uh, I, I'm i really not trying to focus on three drops. I mean, the card seems fine. It seems interesting. But, like, I don't know how big I am on that card in, like, the Teferi format, right? It's, like, not... What is Thief of Sanity good against? The ramp decks that have no interaction? It's, uh, it's, like, okay. mediocre against the control decks because they have... You can't even, like... You can't even, like, do a sideboard Thief of Sanity against, like, control because they have, like, uh, a Zorus charm that they're never
1: boarding out. It's the lightly run for your hero, is what I was thinking.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think, like, with these that changes that dynamic a lot, right? Or you just build the rest of your deck. Like, if you... If you, like, play your hero and your opponent kills it, and you just, like, untap and play Teferi, you're fine with that exchange.
1: Because you have like the rest of your deck. Or Thief of Sanity, right? Potentially. Because, like, that's the same philosophy, right? Like, if they kill, they point and click the hero, then they might not have the point and click for the thief. Especially if you let on Thoughtseize.
0: Potentially. Uh, My thought process is, like, Teferi is just a harder to interact with threat, and... Thief of Sanity runs into some issues. Like there are some decks that I think could be good, against, but I'm not sure it's like a card I want in my main deck. Um, you know the only bad thing
1: about Thief is I think Thief feeds, graveyards, so maybe that makes it a non-starter. I think the rest of the cards go to the graveyard, so that might actually be a non-starter in the Yeah, I,
0: I think put it. Yeah, that's definitely a big issue.
1: Yeah, it just um, it just hit me. Like while we were talking about it, I was just like, "Oh wait, I think those go to the graveyard. Nope, can't play that card. It's off. It's off the menu." So like, what are you playing to trigger hero? Uh, I'm talking to Francesco, thought, uh... thought, thought erasure, tyrant scorn, to fairy. Ooh, are, are we? Are you playing our girl Kaya? Do you like Kaya? Because I like Kaya. And if you don't like Kaya, we might have to talk about the future of our cast. <laughs> but no no pressure. <laughs> um, He basically sent me some
0: lists that Tom White was working on. Sauce on Moto. Um,
1: oh, he plays Kaya. I know that.
0: He plays like an Oath of Kaya, I think. And that card strikes me as fine. I like um, the card a lot. Yeah, he has like Reflector Mage and Spell Queller and... Uh, thought erasers, some Jace rings prodigy like JCP doesn't seem terrible to me. Um,
1: Neither, no one thinks it's terrible. In fact, the price of him is insane. So yes, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, so y- you you hit it right on the head. Like it, the his price went way up, and and he is a four of in most decks. So, which strikes me as crazy talk, but like. I guess there's no fear. I guess the first one flips. The second one's in play. It's fine. I don't know. I, I like Pioneer. I like uh, Nexus that you're talking about. I like... I don't know we'll, how I feel about Esper Hero.
0: We'll see. We'll see about Nexus. One of the issues I was discussing with, like, Onrog, Marcus, bad and Luke was just that... Uh, veil vale of summer was kind of just your best sideboard card against a lot of decks um and losing just like that free roll protection for uh, you know against like um assassin's trophy and effects like that is kind of awkward for the deck shell so we'll see what happens with it it just strikes me as a interesting deck because a lot of what you do just gets to ignore the opponent Game plan, and then you just get to completely bully them uh, into next week.
1: Well, I was truthfully, uh, like I said, I mean, I mean, we talked about it. Bale was busted. I was glad, but it was also because like green color pie in Pioneer because like,
0: lopsided.
1: Well, it's two thousand nineteen. We need we really need a city in the bottle for two thousand and nineteen cards. Like you get to put it down and. Sack it and it destroys all 2019 printed cards and no one can play anything from 2019 for the rest of the game. Because like the green color pie is, as far as Soul Tide, you got Noxious Grasp and Bale. So Bale of Summer was the best of the cycle. But like Noxious Grasp is really good too. Because it's like two mana, kill a green or white creature or a Planeswalker. And that's, that's, a, that's a printed card. Okay, boomer. I mean, that's that's. I know you're. I know the. I know the joke, but it's still ridiculous. Like two mana kill, kill a walker, kill a whatever.
0: Yeah, it's like ridiculous, but it's also just like the world we live in, where we need cards like that. Just yes, like monocolored dread for certain colors. Like, uh, Luke handed me a list that had display of dominance in it. Yes, from whatever that set was. One of the. It's con kind of, blocks. Yeah, it's one of it's cons I think. And like I was like, why is the slave dominance in the deck? And then I played against uh Leyline of the Void and Teferi, and I was like, oh that's literally in the deck for these two cards, but uh, I think borrow may be a better effect, but I don't know. Marcus Awalt is also toying around with like a bug uh a bug build of uh, Nexus. That leverages Abrupt Decay and some other stuff, moving away from the Fog Plan. Kind of becoming more of like a bug control with a combo finish sort of deal. Um, which, that is interesting. Uh, maybe maybe there's also like a scapeshift deck. Like a bug control with escape shift finish. Using Field of the Dead, but I'm not sure that's like necessary slash... You don't really want to have that many ramp spells in your deck, like you kind of just want the growth spirals and like nothing
1: else. So maybe that plan is also a non-starter. Well, there's a lot of like like the green color pie right now. Like I said, because of Reptokay Assassin's Trophy, Veil of Summer previously, Noxious Grasp, even Aether Gust is still fine. Like it's got all the it's got the best overlying answers here's downfall murderous rider whatever you want to call it we're like it now it doesn't have the sweepers it's only got like the eldrazi one and cry, and cry and care canary, carnerium, and then languish but like so like it sucks in sweepers but you know like it makes up for it in spot removal spot removal i think it's like the best it has plus it's got like the best yard enablers with uh Rim flare, but I don't think it's a very good card. Um, and then Tireless Tracker is insane because it's just an insane Magic card. Where would you
0: card. rate the colors in Pioneer,
1: best to uh, worst? Green, green's the best. Uh, green and red are like the best as far as like proactiveness, um, support. Like I would go black. Black, blue, white. Because I really don't like the blue cards, even though a blue <clears> age. Like uh, the, the blue win cons are terrible.
0: That like, was that was roughly where I was at. Like blue and white are better support colors. Um, I wasn't sure quite where I wanted to put blue because of like, I counterspells getting better is a real thing. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see how the format shapes up from there and then like it's it's awkward making this list because like when you go green red black you're immediately just like naming off the colors that goldfish the best in terms of like mono colored aggressive shells uh which you know may or may not be a good thing may or may not be a bad thing that's i think that's
1: subjective right Oh yeah, but like I don't think it has to do with gold fishing. I tell you it is goldfishing. Like we've I think the problem is is we all have like a a delusion of where magic was years ago and where magic is now and everybody complains about modern being linear and this that being linear. And it's not things are linear, it's just that we've grown up as mages. And wizards grew with us and now they give us these big finishers from cards that aren't expensive as far as casting costs so it doesn't matter that they're giving us cheaper answers or whatever they're doing like it doesn't matter these cards have developed where they even like they're big they're flashy they draw a card on their way in or gain a resource and then you have to remove them and even when you remove them you're just down resources so it's just like I don't know I, I think that it's just the way magic is now and, I, and I, that will be my biggest pain with Pioneer, is that whatever standard hotness is happening will probably affect Pioneer. What do you mean? Like, Oko is really powerful in Pioneer. Well, Oko is really powerful. Like, all the cards currently that are powerful in standard are kind of running over Pioneer. Because, like, Once Upon a Time, which should have been banned from week one, and, and they will ban it eventually when Throne of Eldrain's out of print... Uh but it's it's busted in half. Oka is busted in half, Wicked Wolf is busted in half and showing up in Pioneer because why waste your spot on a removal spell when you can play a tarmac wave removal spell? Uh all these cards are like in standard. And they're running over standard. And they'll happen to also be really good in Pioneer. If we didn't have the the devotion deck saving us air quotes <laughs> we would be isn't, seeing soul Tide killing us isn't that less of an indication of like
0: that's just more of an issue of like recent card design being way more powerful than previous years just across the board as opposed to like before where we would get like a couple lopsided effects instead of just like the whole set feeling intrinsically
1: powerful right Right, but I'm saying, like, I think that will be my biggest fear of Pioneer is it will be affected by the the more powerful printings as they keep coming.
0: So it'll be, like, modern in reverse is what you're worried about? Like, instead yeah. of having, like, a bunch of new cards that randomly, like, have obnoxious interactions with, uh, the effects of yesteryear, you're gonna have all of the old cards uh, propping up these new cards. Uh... Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a take. Obviously can't really make a comment about it because it's, you know, related to how time passes on. So we'll see what happens, maybe. Well, it's happened in Modern.
1: Because, like, Urza, Urza basically, like, was made these old cards, like, better. Like, Thopter Sword was unbanned to no one's care or concern. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it took it took Urza being printed to make that card good. When you print
0: Talarian Academy on top of like making two bodies on top of um, what is it, Planner Portal or whatever? Yeah, you you're gonna get a like good card, right? Well,
1: so I'd, just... I'd say when you have Tarmogoyf that's indestructible at random on top of Ravenous Chupacabra for the same casting cost but it's in double green so it's much harder to get to green mana except for those 16 mana dorks okay. sure i think uh
0: one thing to comment on is like watsi tends to do this when they have one set synergies right like yep. energy was the same dynamic where you just had like the energy mechanic and in order to support it they had to print some pretty obnoxious busted cards like Bristling Hydra or whatever Yep. To really have these effects be playable and palatable oh, yeah. in terms of, like, a, am spending my money, I want to get my money's worth. So, cool. like...
1: Yeah, that one had, like, Warlord Virtuoso, Long Tusk Cub, Bristling Hydra, A Tune with Aether. All of those cards were really busted. So, like, I... yeah... I don't know. I I hope that Pioneer doesn't get bogged down by the new cards, but I think based on I, I really want the next set to be really underpowered. I want it to be a uh, excellent block. <laughs> I mean <laughs> Give me we'll an see.
0: Block. like we're going back to Theros, which like wasn't really an intrinsically powerful set the first time around and like it's the what is Adamant is the mechanic in No, that's it, th- that's in and well, yeah, the adamant is the mechanic and throne that, like, is very clearly leading up to support, like, um, devotion. Oh, as a they, concept.
1: yeah, they ham fisted it with adamant, and then also there's the triple mana, uh, important legendary creatures like the queen's triple white, there's a triple blue, Gadwick the wizard, there's a triple black, there's a triple red, the dwarf. Like, there's this, there's all these triple, triple. Pips everywhere. So like, yeah. They're leading and they didn't ban Nexus. Or not Nexus, so, uh Nyctos. So well
0: Nictos. At least for standard it implies that they're thinking about cross set synergies. Um and that they are like like when they think about cross set synergies, the the sets tend to be less and less powerful within themselves as opposed to uh like i said energy food you get you they have to push effects to make the make the decks surrounding those specific um, concepts playable whereas you know when you have a standard format where each set leads into each other and feeds into each other <clears throat> you get to like lower power level cuz you can allow players to explore more subtle synergies or just like concepts as opposed to having to force feed them. No pun intended. Uh, oh yeah. The, the ideas. You, you no, elked that one. No. Up. I hate puns so much.
1: You elked that one up. No, yes, no, I, I absolutely <laughs> despise puns. <laughs> well, I do think, like I said, I, I have hope for pioneer, especially since I have not a lot of hope for, uh, I mean, I'll play legacy locally, but I played it before locally, so like, uh, you know, you know. don't think, like, I'm hating on Legacy, or I don't, and don't think Lawrence is hating on Legacy. Uh, I don't, I've known you forever, and you've said, you want to play Legacy, get Moto, you've kept telling me that. So yeah, like, Magic
0: Online is my LGS, and Legacy will survive, uh, at least relative to me and a lot of other players, like, The whole thing about, like, this SCG ban is, like, everyone that RIP Legacy and, you know, to some various degrees of, like, being facetious, right? But, like, uh, there are players in Europe. There are players on the West Coast of the United States. There's players around the world who have been supporting Legacy and have been able to play Legacy without the support of Star City games for years, right? And specifically East Coast legacy players have been very much spoiled to the point where, like, they've been able to just kind of outright let TOs come and go because they didn't have a need to actively foster a legacy scene because it was kind of given to them. And now they're put in a position where they actually have to, like, put an effort. And so I think in some regards it's like there's definitely a kind of an obnoxious overreaction but also, like, I understand the emotional response, but it's it's kind of just like the world isn't ending. You aren't going to, like, you know, you aren't going from a first-world country to a third-world country. You're just, like, you're going from living in a mansion to living in the suburbs like everyone else.
1: Well, I mean, I, <clears throat> I have, I think James, uh, James from Cardboard Live, uh, he said it best he said they haven't had it like they even they haven't had scg and they've been doing fine with legacy on their own you know and they're just building up by a local level and that that struck with me like you know how how we've um basically all of us have had it really easy because we've had this this guy this big group coming in and bringing us a tournament hall to play in and play in and then going on and so like Building it locally is probably, you know, better for legacy. I'd say it's certainly done very well for the vintage. So, uh,
0: yeah, I mean, one thing that's really helped the vintage scene is having proxies, right? I yeah. think people have this huge hang-up on the need for sanctioning, which I don't understand, because, like, most of the legacy diehards I know aren't playing GPs outside of, like, two legacy GPs a year. So, like... I'm not sure what sanctioning does for you, and like you don't need the planeswalker points, and the multiplier for planeswalker points at a local level is like basically nothing. Um, so you gotta if you want to get people in, let them play for free and just like accept the one time a month you're gonna play against like Spanish Inquisition kid or, you know, Oof.
1: Oof. like
0: yeah, I mean yeah, like. Most of the time people don't show up with meme decks they show up with decks they're actually interested in learning because they have like they want to be invested in the format and um
1: if you there's... let them play if you let them play with proxies they definitely will bring real decks if you let them if you make them play with real cards, they definitely will meme you hard
0: yeah that's how you end up with like well I built Manolis Dredge because I don't have money yeah. and you know. At that point, people become reliant on, like, dudes loaning them cards, which, you know, it's, it works. Like, I borrow a lot of my cards or whatever, but for a lot of, like, new kids trying to break into the format or whatever, uh, it's just a different dynamic because they they don't know anyone, so they obviously aren't going to feel comfortable talking to someone and just going, hey, can I borrow X thousand dollars worth of cards? person i don't
1: know yep but like i I mean like i said i think pioneers are really new i i personally am attracted to pioneer because it's kind of like legacy where i know it won't be solved for a while and i don't even think it's close to being solved. now i know you you have to do certain things like i'll keep playing control but like you're you know you're really going to want to cheat on mana you're going to want to play something fast and efficient i don't think we've even seen half of anything that we can possibly do and the you know, in the format. So it's just a neat new direction for me to get to play in. So, plus I get to play Sphinx Rev. Sphinx Rev forever. That's all I'm going to say.
0: I'm not sure that card is good, but you live your life.
1: Sphinx, I'll be Sphinx Revenant. You know, I'll be drawing cards all the time, smiling as I die.
0: You didn't so. realize
1: Narset's a thing. Teferi and Narset exist. I play both uh, of them in my deck. I play a Gaia Reach Sanitarium in my deck.
0: All right. Anyway, so that was episode 13. uh, (laughs) Actually, we have a stack of patrons to shout out. Um, Stack. Looking a little thick. Um, Shout out to Rich S, Alan Y, Alex B, Josiah V, Justin G, Brian G, Lee X, uh, Brandon L, Joel G, carl f burton l shingo s uh someone who hit their keyboard randomly uh jack k jason m flow b Uh, you can find the podcast on twitter and patreon at thirst for cast on each website Uh, i've recently posted a few articles that are free for public consumption uh, and there are a few articles hidden behind the paywall Uh, you can find steve at racelandim on twitter Uh, you can find me at lawrence Harmon, and you can find our editor elizabeth at ellie of the veil all of these links will be in the show notes so have a good one everyone see you